Most people saw themselves as subjects, not citizens. Social relations were governed by faith, deference and duty. By 1850, people lived under a Bill of Rights that guaranteed the rule of law, and increasing numbers had the right to vote. The government recognised that it had the duty to intervene to legislate in many areas of society, something that was unthinkable in 1660. Merit, rather than kinship or patronage, was becoming more important, and people had increasing expectations that talent and education counted for more than family relationship or a patron's influence in appointments to many jobs. Britain in this period would appear and sound strange to someone from the 21st century. In listening to this audiobook, you will have to step into a past that is different from modern Britain in many ways. For example, the English that people spoke in 1700 would sound very odd to us today, and it was also spelled erratically. Lord Peterborough pronounced his title Peterbrow, and the Duke of Marlborough's title was often pronounced Marlborough and sometimes Marlborough. Alexander Pope rhymed T with obey. Milton had rhymed end with fiend, and C was often pronounced say. The way Americans today pronounce clerk, derby, Berkeley and leisure are the way they were said in England in the 17th and 18th centuries. The separation of the letter W from V was still underway in 1660, so some late 17th century guides to London referred to Westminster. The lack of standard pronunciation led to the publication of a number of pronouncing dictionaries during the 18th century, the most popular of which was written by Thomas Spence. Spence addressed his Grand Repository of the English Language, 1775, to the working people of the country, he told people that strut rhymed with foot and put. Some people pronounced lord as lard. Cucumber and asparagus were pronounced cowcumber and sparrowgrass. In the mid-eighteenth century, there were furious discussions between Lord Chesterfield and Sir William Young whether great should be pronounced to rhyme with state or seat. Words such as hostile and servile would have been pronounced with a short ill sound at the end. In fact, there were many differences in pronunciation, and 18th century English would sound very peculiar, perhaps incomprehensible to us. Even at the time, the differences were noted. Sheridan's Course of Lectures on Elocution of 1762 noted that Cockney and Court End, or West End, accents had created a linguistic divide in London. Words are as fashion-prone as clothes, and many came and went in this period. We no longer use shrammed, meaning cold, or gradely for thorough, or fettle, meaning make, though it remains in the phrase fine fettle. Today we might use hew to quarry or dig, which was first recorded in 1708, although of old English origin, or clout, which was brought to England by Irish navvies, and dunny, for a lavatory was exported to Australia from 18th century England. By the end of this period, Liverpool was beginning to receive the large influx of Irish immigrants who gave the city's dialect its distinctive Liverpudlian twang. The years 1660 to 1851, stretching from the restoration of Charles II to the middle of the Victorian period, lend themselves to two big interpretations, those of the optimist and of the pessimist. The optimistic Whig interpretation of this period would suggest that it was one of progress and advancement. Led by the development of the Constitution from a divine right monarchy into a parliamentary monarchy, this optimistic account of the period would emphasise the development of the economy, 
the growth of towns, roads, canals, and in the 19th century, railways. It would also see the development of empire as a cause and reflection of material wealth and political liberty, and would argue that this was the era of great scientific and cultural achievement, from Isaac Newton and Robert Boyle to Nicholas Hawksmoor and George Gilbert Scott, from Alexander Pope to the Brontes. It was also the time of the British Enlightenment. In contrast, the pessimists would suggest it was a period in which people were locked out of government by an unrepresentative electoral system. People were treated appallingly by brutal aristocratic, legal and prison systems. Jacobites, Scots, Catholics, Irish, women and the poor were among the groups who could claim that they were oppressed by society. Most people's lives were marked by illness, grinding labour and a lack of pleasure, leisure and recreation. Personal liberty was limited by economic enslavement. Working conditions were grindingly hard and life...